for the love of Salt Lake Radio News with Maria Chileos on KSL News Radio. We've already discovered the difficulties faced by Salt Lake's first all-news station and why it had a tough time competing in the market. We also learned of the beginnings of federal deregulation and got a hint of how changes made by the Federal Communications Commission might impact local broadcasters. One of the most dramatic changes in Salt Lake's news coverage came within months of the FCC's decision to eliminate the Fairness Doctrine. The 1949 policy required those who held broadcast licenses to provide coverage of vitally important controversial issues of interest in the communities they served and present contrasting viewpoints on those issues. The doctrine had been put in place at a time when there was a limited amount of frequencies available and the FCC was concerned stations would provide only a singular perspective. The FCC eliminated the doctrine in January of 1987. In August, management at KSL Radio laid off nine of 17 employees in its news department. What an awful, awful day. Jim Braden was the assistant news director at the time. The massive layoffs left a lasting impression on the employees who were left behind in the newsroom. They refer to that day as Black Thursday or Bloody Thursday. Everybody just, well, for days walked around like zombies, like, oh gosh, what just happened? And Doug really was taking it hard. I mean, he just was like, these are my family. These are my friends. These are people that I care about. Tammy Kikuchi and fellow reporter Scott Seeger say news director Doug Miller was devastated over being forced to lay off his employees. I watched him have to lay off, must have been 10 people that day, uh, of this really brilliant news department that Doug had, had built. And that was, you know, that was the beginning of sort of the whole paradigm shift That day marked a fundamental change in KSL's approach to news. It was also the first indication in the thriving Salt Lake radio market that the FCC's elimination of the Fairness Doctrine and minimum requirements for news had sent a message to radio station owners that it was no longer necessary for them to provide the same level of news coverage. No longer were they required to dedicate up to 8% of the station's programming to news and public affairs content. The de-emphasized commitment to news being perpetuated by deregulation combined with economic forces was driving changes. It was also an exasperating time for the station's new general manager, Russ Wood, who had to carry out the demands of corporate managers who believed that their predecessors had allowed the newsroom to grow too large. I was saying, but these are people who moved around and who changed stations and who left good jobs to come here. Some of them recruited us and some of them we recruited. And to just go in and say, you're gone, is not a, I mean, I, I, it, it, it's, um, I mean, it's business. I understand it's business. And I finally had to accept that it was business and try and be as fair and open and honest as possible which was difficult because not only had company executives given him a timetable to make drastic cutbacks, they had also forbidden him from sharing with employees that the station was losing money. And I was forbidden to be totally forthcoming with what was going on. So it made me look like more of, I I presume it made me look like more of an ogre or like maybe I didn't know what I was doing or whatever. Wood says he was faced with a stark reality his first day on the job. It was billing more than anybody in this market. 
and way more than had been done ever in the past in terms of just gross revenues. And, and it was losing money. And I, when I say losing, I mean literally going into the hole. So that for the last year or so before that, Bonneville had had to subsidize KSL Radio to keep it alive. I was stunned. Black Thursday came about because we had a first-class news staff and a third-rate sales staff. I am convinced of that. And we'd lost our mojo out in the marketplace. We couldn't sell a spot for anything. And we lost so many good people. And those left behind, like Tammy Kikuchi and Sharla Haley, still talk about the long-lasting impact that dark day had on the newsroom. You always worked with the shadow of that at any moment there could be a layoff. And we never really understood why or how, but we just knew that it would always be personnel that would be cut in order to make budget or do whatever. And it always seemed, whether it was fair or not, that it was consultant-driven, that whatever the consultant said at the time, that where KSL needed to be or where it needed to go, that was what was driving the decision. So I never really understood. I ended up having to do uh, weekend overnights because they needed somebody to, and I didn't want to, but I didn't have a choice. I had a job, and so I did it. Um, And it was devastating to see your colleagues not be here anymore. It was demoralizing. It was it was horrible. And that's when things started changing. Another painful change for Haley was that she would no longer be able to cover the daily activities of lawmakers on Utah's Capitol Hill. It had been her responsibility for nine years to act as a watchdog over lawmakers and provide citizens with important information they needed to make decisions in their lives. The same held true for other reporters in the KSL newsroom who were no longer able to devote the same amount of time to their respective beats. At the same time, a dramatic shift in radio listening from AM to FM was also having a big effect on Salt Lake radio stations. Doug Wright was KSL's program director at the time. AM was king back then. I mean, I've always joked, and sometimes in in speeches people ask me about FM, and I'll say, when I started, only the long hairs were listening to FM. Long-haired freaks on one side with, you know, real weird underground music— or the long-haired freaks on the other side, the classical, you know, guys. And everybody else listened to AM radio. And boy, that, that radically changed in the late 70s. A study released by Radar Data Statistical Research showed by 1988, only about 25% of the radio audience was still listening to AM radio, compared to the 75% audience share AM radio commanded in 1972. As a result, many radio stations were already simulcasting programming on both AM and FM. Rather than simulcast on the FM frequency, KRSP chose to retain its popular oldies format on AM and instead cut its expenses by laying off two of its DJs and one news person. The result was only five hours of live and local programming each day. Arbitron research also showed those who turned to the AM signal were either older or searching for breaking news or more in-depth news coverage. In order to lay its claim to its news authority image, in September of 1988, less than a year after its massive layoffs, 
KSL changed its format to all news and information. We were this news monster. I mean, we had a, now a limited staff, but we still had the same news to fill. As reporters like KSL's Mark Juke and Call Radio's Tracy Caford hustled to get stories to feed the news beast, management at both KSL and KALL were looking at ways to consolidate their resources. Attorneys in the Utah Attorney General's office In April of 1990, Call moved its news operation from the downtown area to KUTV2's building in West Valley. In a move it touted would provide it with many added resources and put the station in better competition with KSL. Six months later, news director Fred Scott was forced to lay off the three anchor reporters that made up his news staff. This is the most difficult thing in the world that I've ever had to do. These people are human beings. They have been good workers, faithful workers, and there is absolutely no reason under the sun that you need to take three people out of radio news. The station's general manager, Jan Bagley, blamed tough economic times in the media industry and said the station remained committed to providing news by using KUTV's news staff and various national sources. But Scott said the cutbacks were the result of a change in management philosophy, a philosophy impacted by the FCC's elimination of minimum news and information requirements that ensured radio stations were acting in the public interest, necessity, and convenience. I think their priorities changed because the new crew that came in didn't have a core or a base from which to operate. They only operated from a sales point of view. Learn how that bottom line, profit-motivated philosophy, affected broadcasters and programming on local news stations as For the Love of Radio News continues.